Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm Mike Bruner, and today I'm your host because we got two very special guests today. One is the familiar face, the other has his same name, but a different James. Our first guest is none other than James Stain James Staley, and he is the owner of Tin Robot Games, the publisher of three successful board game Kickstarters, Tanks But No Thanks, Queen of Scots, The Card Game, and The Naughty Squirrels of the Oakwood Forest. James is also the weekly host of the Board Game Binge podcast. Our other guest, James Freeman, has been playing games of some sort most of his life, but started officially working in the board game industry in 2017 with Wise Wizard Games. Currently, he works with Team Doomlings and Tin Robot Games as part of their social media teams. His first game, published by Tin Robot Games, is Hamsters versus Hippos, which is currently on Kickstarter. James and James, welcome to the binge. How are you guys doing? I'm doing fantastic. I'm doing real good. Yeah. <laughs> good job, Mike. That was awesome. <laughs> Tongue twisters in there, man. I know. Um, well, that was done in, intentionally, right? Just to kind of throw them off. <laughs> How many kind of different uh, alliterations can we throw in here? And I, I'm glad I said my name is Mike Bruner, not James Bruner, but I am feeling a little bit left out. Oh, you could be an honorary James. That's totally fine. <laughs> I, we Perfect. refer to ourselves as James Squared sometimes. So <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you guys have Hamsters vs. Hippos on Kickstarter right now. Currently has 301 backers, um, 12861 US dollars on a $4,500 goal. So congratulations on funding by That's about awesome. 300%. Thank you. Con congratulations on your first published title. That's Thank awesome. you. I really appreciate it. I appreciate Tin Robot giving me the opportunity to produce this game. Well, I yeah. think it was a natural, uh, natural choice. Uh, it, it, I mean, we, we interviewed James back, I don't know, almost like seven, eight months ago uh, during his Doomlings campaign, actually. And uh, we talked a lot off air. And that's where I realized that, you know, I want to do something with this guy, right? We, we, I want to do a project. I don't care what it is. I want to do something. And that's what kind of led us into uh, to this project. It was one that he had, uh, I guess, taken a shot at Kickstarter at one point in the past. And uh, we looked at it and thought, hey, how can we retool this and, uh, and, and help him get it to, uh, to market? So uh, it's been pretty exciting. Yeah, I, one of the things I think you learn with your first game design is that it takes a lot to get it to market more than just designing a cool game. There's a whole lot of other work that you have to do. And so getting it to a point where it's funded on Kickstarter and going to be published, I think that's a a huge step in your game design career with many more titles to come, I'm sure. Yeah, I hope so. I think, I think the thing you learn is when you start playing games and then you feel like you want to make something, you always feel like, oh, I got this. Because you haven't really, you've just been a gamer. You have no idea how much work it is to design. So, you, so I just put something up and it didn't do anything. And I'm like, oh, that's not how it works at all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so then I just took a step. I, I, I stopped for a while. And then once I met James, I got, I got the itch again and I started working on stuff again. Yeah, that's awesome. And so I guess this, let's introduce the audience to the game a little bit. If we want to go to the um, campaign page, Hamsters versus Hippos. The little bit that I know, it's a two to six player game with a solo mode uh, for ages eight and up, plays 15 to 30 minutes. Um, it's a 
lotus gathering tile flipping game where you try to avoid the the hippos and and it also looks like you also don't want to get like cornered or lose available spots to hop on right yeah that's a great description uh, james you want to kind of take it from there or um yeah i think i think it was important to find like we all have a certain push your luck games we like i like ink and gold but yeah, like we wanted to have something else in the game that was slightly different than other push your luck games and that's where like being able to like corner people or to block people's pads to do things was like a, a really important element of that game that developed over time yeah i want to address one thing on the the ages specifically um i know that uh, there's uh you know there's been some some people have mentioned that hey on some of the pieces you see 14 plus and other pieces it's eight plus so just kind of set the, the record straight. When we had these prototypes made, and we had a lot of prototypes made, we had over 100 made. So it's not as simple as just sending like one or two boxes from the manufacturer to, to the United States. You're actually going through customs, right? And you're, 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 the games are actually being looked at by people. So for the prototypes, we had to put 14 plus on there so that didn't fall under any of the testing protocol you have the toy for the prototypes. Um, the game itself will be an eight plus because we'll have our CE certification. We'll have the UK CA certification as well on this. Um, so we'll, we'll meet all the testing protocols and because there's small parts in it for us, it was important to say that, you know, it's probably not a bad idea if you are playing with kids that are under ages of 14 and quite frankly, even younger than eight, you can play at this game under adult supervision. You got small components, right? And being a father of two girls myself and, you know, growing up and making sure we cut the hot dogs lengthwise and always looking for, you know, preventing choking hazards. For me, that was something that's really important with this. So that's why you'll see kind of this age range that kind of spans. But really, if you got adults playing, you can play this with a kid that's even six and up. James, tell us more about the the game as, as James scrolls. Which or? one? Freeman? Yeah, <laughs> yeah which Freeman, one? the designer. I've heard enough of you, Staley. <laughs> um, it was it was a long process. Like again, I didn't I didn't realize to get from point A to point B how much brainstorming there was going to be, and things that worked and things that didn't, and things that we pulled out. And I thought it was really important to have a solo mode because obviously with the pandemic, you see so many more people playing solo and. The thing I like that 10 Robot does is they don't necessarily make the solo mode a copycat of the game. They want to have it be a little different than the standard way that the game plays. And I, I really like that. Yeah, that's that's yeah. a good point. That's And it's kind of more of a philosophy, right? That, I mean, there's so many times you'll see games where it's kind of just like a slap on at the end. Oh yeah, we got a solo mode. And it's just like, here's like a way of playing the same game and pretending and you're playing on behalf of other players in the game. So it's kind of the same game, but you're just playing for the other players. And for, for me, one thing that I've really focused on, especially since we did Nice Girls of the Oakwood Forest is can we create a solo game using the same components in the box, right? So that's the starting point. So when we are in game, uh, game development mode, is really important that if we create a solo game, it's actually a solo game, right? It's, it's meant, to, the game is actually meant to be solo. So in this case, although there's some similarities uh, where yes, you're trying to gather Lotus points and you're, you're pressing your luck, there's this added kind of component of uh, almost like a puzzle uh, mechanic to the game that you know, you're trying to figure out how do I kind of position these hamsters 
because there are certain rules. Hamsters can't be in adjacent tiles. You can only move one. You can't move the same hamster twice in a row. So you're trying to kind of figure out how do I maximize my points yet kind of solve this puzzle at the same time. Um, the feedback we've had on that has actually been quite positive. And, uh, and even like, if you look at our tiles, for instance, we've got this great artwork um, with, uh, with Caesar did the artwork on this and he did an amazing, amazing job and kudos to him on this. It really is just fun artwork. But the tiles we had, we, we, we create them in a way that they're very intuitive when you look at the tiles. So there's no writing on it. There's no iconography that allows us to do this game in multiple languages. In fact, this game will be in six different languages, but it also allows us to repurpose tiles within that same kind of discussion point of, you know, multiplayer versus solo point. So we've actually got three tiles where the function of those tiles is completely different if you're playing in a solo mode. Two to six players. I love it when I see games that go up to six players because there's many games that go up to four and then you get have that other couple show up or another player show up and you're like, ah, okay, now what do we play? Is there, does the game change when you have two players versus when you have six players versus when you have four players or is there an optimal player count or, or speak to, speak to that a little bit. We worked on it where we expanded the board or shrank the board depending on how many players there were. So that was part of playtesting too, where we were trying to figure out what's the optimal amount of tiles where it's not too few tiles and everybody's just scrambling and getting each other's way. And there's, there's too much, there's too many people and too much going on, or there's too many tiles and then there's too much to do. So again, that was a balancing act when we were trying to figure out how we want, what we wanted to do. And it, it, in a two-player game, you couldn't work with a third or fourth player to kind of pin somebody in a corner. But with a, a three-plus player game, it seems like if, if somebody was leading later on in the round, you could kind of team up with somebody, unofficially form an alliance or whatever. Oh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what my kids do to me. Yeah, that's totally what my kids do to me. They block, they block me off on purpose. Yeah, they're, I love them, but they're jerks. But, that's, <laughs> but I, appreciate, I appreciate their jerkiness. Yeah, you well, can even was... do that with a two-player too, right? So because you cannot go in the same tile. So as you move on to this pond, you're navigating the pond and you're kind of exploring, you know, looking underneath these, uh, these different lily pads for hopefully more lotus points. Um, you can navigate that pond in such a way that you can cut off the other player. If the other player is not paying attention, they could be kind of, you know, stuck to one corner of the board, leaving the rest to yourself. I think I want to even just back up a second and talk about the story because I know a lot of people are saying hamsters and hippos. That makes no sense. You know, why are hamsters and hippos aren't hippos vegetarian? Like what's, what's going on here? And the whole idea on this was because James is this, you know, very interesting character. He's got a, this, this kind of quirky personality. We really want to kind of build that into the game. Right. So it started off with, you know, as we we're kind of brainstorming, what's the weirdest possible combo you could think of, right? So we, we start off with hippos. So his initial game was called uh, Grim Reaper Hippopotamus. This was an original kind of concept of the game that he originally launched. So we like the hippo idea, but what could we kind of, you know, pair up with hippos? Is it bunnies and you see the ears hanging out of their mouth or different? So we finally landed on hamsters. And then the idea was that this has come from this kind of weird dream he had where these hamsters are trying to escape the zoo. They get out of their cage you know, they're making a run for it. And along the way, they happen to see this pond. It's got these lily flowers, these lotus flowers in it. And that's, you know, that's like a currency in Hamsterland. It's like worth gold, right? And so as they're trying to go and explore, that also happens to be where the zoo keeps their hippos. And in this particular zoo, the hippos just seem to like to snack on hamsters. So that was kind of the genesis of this 
weird kind of matchup of hamsters versus hippos. Obviously, you have the alliteration of the double H, which also helps with marketing. But that's kind of how that story kind of evolved, which was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine that somebody was like, okay, hamsters and hippos is the theme. Now I need to work on the mechanics. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That would be interesting, uh, actually. That'd be pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, pick two random things out of a hat and make a game. But no, I I, I think it's a, a, a fun theme. I think you guys will you guys are doing great on Kickstarter. I think this game will do great in retail because um, the retail market seems to like silly themes like this, and and so I think it'll even go uh, even bigger and better in the retail market. Yeah, we uh, uh, and, and not to cut them off, but I just want to throw this in there really quickly. Um, we've been in. Um, uh, Tin Robot Games has is, is been uh, just recently uh, became a, a vendor to Indigo Canada uh, with their online sales as well as Walmart. So in part of those presentations over the past year, we've been presenting some of these concepts to them to say, you know, are these the kind of things you're looking for? And the answer has been yes. You know, this is clearly and I'd say unapologetically a casual game, right? It, it's, it's a lightweight game. It's meant for game night where you have non-gamers coming you want something that's not too heavy that you can pull out and play with other people. So other people aren't intimidated. It's a great warm-up game. You know, one reviewer was talking the other day saying, you know, that when, uh, you know, he pulls out a game and kind of sucks when they start off with a heavy game and then that just takes up the whole night and they never really had a chance to play another game. Other people are arriving and so forth. So this is kind of the gateway game that we wanted to create. And the feedback we've had from, you know, we've got MLB Vanguard, who's our licensing, licensing agent, uh, as well as these retailers, they are all looking for these types of games. So that was a lot of the kind of the, the drive behind why we knew this was right for this particular time. What I was going to ask next is how did this um, partnership between the two of you happen? Did was James Freeman, were you looking at other publishers or did you know you wanted to work with 10 robot games from the get go or, or how did you guys team up. Look, look, I gotta, I gotta be honest. I had no idea this was going to happen. Like, like I did the interview with, with James and he was like, Hey, do you have, after we got off the air for the interview, he's like, do you have any games? I'm like, yeah. And they're all terrible. And he's <laughs> like, and he goes, he goes, well, they can't all be bad. Let me just see one and we'll see what happens. And I'm like, all right, I think this is the one with the most promise. And he's like, all right, maybe, maybe I'll get back to you. You know, maybe I won't. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. And like the next day I have an email. He's like, I worked on it for two hours. I think we got something here. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, all right, I guess I'm in. <laughs> yeah. I want to give actually a shout out to uh, my brother and design partner, uh, Adam Staley as well. Uh, his name is mentioned quite frequently. He's more in the, sh he operates in the shadows, but uh, he really is uh, my, uh, you know, my, my, um, my, my partner up here on uh, Tin Robot Games, you know, he and I play games all the time, just even just on just playing games, playing games together, but even designing. And, you know, when he and I talked about this, James, and um, we both saw the same thing, right? When we were talking about that night, we're like, you know, there, there is something, there's something here. And I knew from a Tin Robot game standpoint, I wanted to get a press your luck game in our portfolio. Right. So it fit the wheelhouse exactly what we're looking for. And we talked about this a lot on the podcast as well it, with many of our guests, right, is finding the games that fit your wheelhouse. And if you're, you know, if you're a, a game publisher and you're doing, you know, a casual game one day and then you're doing a super heavy D&D dungeon crawl the next day and then you're doing, you know, some Euro, Euro the next day, I mean, 
you're all over the map and there's nothing wrong with that, but you're having to rebuild your audience every single time. And, you know, what we've kind of picked as our wheelhouse for Tin Robot Games, it doesn't mean I don't love playing medium weight games and heavier games, which I do. Um, but in terms of what we choose to publish, they all kind of have to fit within that same, same wheelhouse. And this game fit very, very well with what we were looking for at the right time. So for me, it was, uh, it was a pretty easy decision on the game. And then just James himself is, is, uh, is a really great guy. You know, he's well-connected in the industry. He knows a lot of people. He's very humble, <laughs> right? But, uh, but he is loved by a lot of people. And, uh, you know, it was, it was really a pleasure to, to have him on the team. And uh, it's been very collaborative. It's not one of these things of, you know, here's my title. You know, let's talk in a, in a couple months after launches and after the Kickstarter is done. It's, you know, very much us talking on a daily basis of, you know, okay, what else can we do? You know, what do we need to adjust? We, and, you know, this process over the past year has just been wonderful. And, um, you know, I, I'm glad to have quite frankly met James and, very serendipitous, right? We, we, we met on the podcast and uh, from there, that's uh, how we got connected. Similar topic, um, but more from the publisher side. So I'm going to grill you some more. James, Please, grill away. <laughs> <laughs> um, I believe this is the first title from Tin Robot Games that like you weren't the lead designer on. Yes. I may be misspeaking there. No, um, it's true. And, and, and so with that, how is this experience different than the other games that you've published because you've, you've designed the other games. So you've yeah. got the final say on everything really, but this one you've had to take more of a team approach. Uh, Cause I think a lot yeah. of our listeners have one or two uh, Kickstarters under the belt and they may be looking at, Hey, how do I go about getting somebody else's design to publish under my yeah. uh, company? First and last. No, I'm just kidding. Of course. Not. No, I've been great. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it, it's interesting because you, you're right. The, every other title we've worked on and still titles that we have coming over the next year have exclusively been titles that Adam and I have worked on. So this is really the first one where we've taken someone else's game and said, okay, how can we retool it? What's been great about this relationship, and I think it's important for publishers or somebody looking to publish someone else's game, is to be upfront on expectations, right? So James and I spend a good week up front just talking about what are each other's expectations and making sure we are aligned on that, right? Before we kind of, it's like a marriage, right? Let's make sure that we're kind of compatible before we're going to, you know, move forward with this child, right? And um, and that's very much what what this process was. So. For me, one thing with Tim Robot Games, and it's not every publisher like this, for me, it's very important that we have the last say, right? That we have to have the last say, not because we're trying to override people or anything like that, but because the amount of investment that goes into launching these kinds of games um, is not, it's not cheap, right? It, it, it's, it's an investment. And so, you know, we've got a lot of experience that we've gained over successive campaigns. We've got a lot of experience in selling to retailers and, you know, and in, in working to different channels around the globe. So we're going to know kind of, well, that, without saying, sounding cocky, we're going to know better than, than the designer on how to integrate into that, that gaming network, right? So I think where the expectations, I think, was good on both sides is my expectation was also that James is going to be participative in this process. 
And so for me, I don't just want to take someone's game and run with it either. Cause that, that sucks as well. Right. Because it's not something you created and you're kind of trying to raise someone else's kid. What you want to do is you want to have something where you're kind of co-parenting it. Right. So, you know, here's kind of the, we're, we're going to set the direction, right. And, and make sure we're all aligned in that direction, but we still need, we don't want to lose James's essence of that. And so for me, that was important. And I made sure you know that was clear up front. And James, you remember this. I said, my expectations is 1000%. You're part of this process all the way through. Like we have to have you be part of the process. If you can't be part of the process, it's not going to work. And, uh, and thankfully he was part of the process, which I think got us to, you know, we funded in two and a half hours, which was, I think our fastest funding yet. So it was, it was great. It was great. And the, the, the times that you're not funded are the most stressful times. So as soon as you cross that hurdle, it's such a relief and the project just gains more momentum and, and you can talk more happily about life in general. <laughs> <laughs> so funding that quickly was awesome. I was there watching the first day and it was exciting to see it fund so quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Mr. Freeman, yes, you've, got one ga- you've got one game design under your belt now and pretend that Mr. Staley's not here. So are you, are you going to work with him again on your next design or, <laughs> or what's, what's in um, the works for you? Um, I believe in loyalty and I believe that you work, if you work well with someone, someone, there's no reason to go anywhere else. So if I can stay on board at Tin Robot, that's what I want to do. I mean, if other people come, I'll listen, but this is where I want to be, to be quite honest with you. So he's kind no, of got it's cool. It's very complimentary. Or something. <laughs> 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 to add to that, though, I'd say that I think it goes even beyond just just games, right? James has a very, I'm going to sound like Liam Nielsen here, but a very <laughs> particular set of skills, right? And, you know, given how connected he is in the industry and how good he is at what he does, um, there there's always going to be a role for him with us, you know, in, in some capacity. Um, he's a great guy to bounce ideas off as well, uh, which I find is, is, is great, right? You need to have kind of that sounding board committee of people that will give you the straight truth, right? Um, but are people that you have enough of a trusting relationship that it's not like, you know, it's okay if they tell you something sucks and you're, you're not going to take it personally because you respect them, right? So I think, uh, I think it's great having part of that team. Yeah, and even if it, some of his role is, just play testing the other Tin Robot games titles. I think that, you know, having more game designers play test the game, yeah. they know kind of how to fix some things that aren't necessarily flowing exactly the way that they should. Um, and they can speak the language or they're generally right. more invested in making it um, the best game that it can possibly be. Right? I love that even with the reviewers. I mean, we, we sent this out to a lot of reviewers, right? So we had, uh, I think it's almost 80 copies went out uh, to, you know, various reviewers, quite frankly, around the world. And, uh, we, they're very generous. We had a lot of great content coming back. They were able to use on our page and so forth. But what really gets me excited is when I see something that I never thought of, (laughs) right? It's like, wow, that's actually a good idea. I think we're going to actually incorporate that. It's something as simple as I, there was the one that was, uh, I think it was, um, little big thumbs was, uh, was doing a solo play. And to keep track of which meeple, because he can't move the same meeple twice. So to keep track of which one he had moved last, he would lay the meeple down. And then after he moved another one, he would then reset. So he uses a very clever way of actually tracking his progress. 
And that never even occurred to me, but you can be sure that that's going to be in the rule book uh, with the, with the final version. So it's kind of cool yeah. to see that, right? Fun to see everything work out for just by observing other people play your game. Right? Absolutely. So Mr. Staley, because <laughs> yeah. not to cause confusion <laughs> between James, uh, what's next for Tin Robot Games? What do you guys have in the works for after this campaign? Um, days from yeah, we've got, uh, there's actually a lot in, in, in the pipeline. So right now we're still uh, monitoring the shipping of uh, Nutty Squirrels of the Oakwood Forest. Mm -hmm. So that game uh, finally was picked up at the manufacturing plant. It's on trucks on the way to port. Uh, once we have confirmations it's physically on the water, we'll send another update on that. So um, really babysitting that this uh, this next month just to get make sure it's getting to the distributors so we can get out to people for their pledges. People have been very patient with that and understanding, quite frankly, with a lot of the um, global upset in uh, in shipping, not just in rates, but even in, in terms of just speed, right? Things have slowed down everywhere, which has been um, difficult to deal with. Um, but we, we've managed that. Um, we've also launched a couple of games that we didn't take the Kickstarter. They're going to go straight to retail. Um, so we've got Rack Up, which is a hunting version of our Queen of Scots game. Uh, as well as Dirty Dragsters. You can see both those actually on the Kickstarter page at the bottom as add-ons. Uh, Dirty Dragsters is kind of like almost like a war style uh, pog kind of idea, uh, playing the schoolyard where you're drag racing and each kid can collect their own car and keep it in their tin and bring it to the school and, you know, and play against each other. So that's uh, going straight to retail. That's being manufactured as we speak. Trying to get in before Christmas, it's going to be tight. Uh, and then our next Kickstarter, we're planning probably now for, we retool things a little bit. Um, so we're looking at maybe February, uh, we're going to launch a take that uh, Kickstarter campaign, which is going to be a double header. So it'll be our tanks, but no thanks second edition, as well as planting evidence. Uh, the card game will be in that, which are both games where you're, it's entirely just picking on people. So uh, they're a good match for themselves. And uh, so they'll both be in that, that Kickstarter campaign. So they'll be launching in, uh, in February. And so are you and Adam, the designer on those? Yeah. So uh, Tanks But No Thanks, uh, was our that was our first Kickstarter we ever launched. And uh, so that was based on a game I made uh, almost 24 years ago now and uh and launched the three years ago on kickstarter we've literally run out of inventory uh we've been selling that around the world uh for the past few years and um so now we're going to run another campaign to to do a second edition and there's some cool things we're going to do with the board it's going to be double sides so now we'll have like the three player will be on one side two and four play on the other refresh some of the artwork and so forth so um yeah so that's one that i had personally created and then planting evidence was a creation of both uh, Adam and I, and uh, so I'll be in the same campaign. That's awesome. Cool. Well, I'm I'm excited to see all the projects from both the Jameses. <laughs> it's addictive, <laughs> right? As you know, as a game designer, once once you do one, you just uh, you're either out or you're all in, right? And uh, and uh, we're all in. We're gonna we're gonna be you know cranking out games for many years to come. We've got our um, our, our list is takes us at least to the end of next year. And, uh, and we've got some plans even for the following year after that. So uh, it's exciting times. Yeah. And just with the one project that I've done, it's like, okay, I, I have that one under, under my belt. I learned a ton. Let's work on project two. Yeah. Learn it, learn a ton from that one. And you keep learning and learning and learning. You find better ways to do the whole yeah. publication process. So it's, it's fun to learn and grow and keep, 
applying. Oh, you learn. learn to the next I, I'm still a student. Like I, I am not even close to calling myself an expert. Uh, I mean, it is it, every single one of these, you're learning something new. And, uh, and hopefully when people learn launch campaigns, they post game afterwards and then they figure, okay, what can I take? What learnings can I take through to the next one? What should I stop doing for the next one? And for me, that's really important. And, uh, you know, it, it, I'm learning so much from other people in the podcast, but also learning even from my own experiences, which is kind of cool. Awesome. Well, any final words from either of you? We've Mr. Come Freeman. To our half hour. <laughs> yeah, I um, I just want to thank um, Tin Robot Games for this. Like, this is an opportunity I didn't think was going to happen. Like, I'm always keeping my options open if something happens, and this was unexpected and awesome. No, it's been awesome work with you, James. And I'm, I'm glad that you're back in the industry. I know that it's, you know, took you know, stepped out for a, a you know, a, a bit yeah. of a, a beat there. And, uh, and, and he came back in with Doomlings and I'm, I'm glad to be working with you. I want to say thanks to the Doomlings team, quite frankly. Uh, they've been wonderful, uh, you know, cheerleaders for us, uh, you know, sharing our content, which has just been awesome. And if anybody hasn't checked out their campaign yet, they certainly should because uh, it was it was a fantastic campaign and great guys. Awesome guys. Well, thanks for coming on the show. For anybody listening, check out Hamsters versus Hippos currently on Kickstarter, um, and we wish you guys all the best from the board game binge family. <laughs> thanks a lot, Mikey. Take care. Thank you. Cheers. See you. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley. Produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.